0: This is the Greg Scheinman Podcast. The Greg Scheinman Podcast. Brought to you by Inns Group Insurance. Inns Group is ensuring success. From the Gal Media Studios, here's Greg Scheinman. All right, here we go again on the Greg Scheinman Podcast. Today, I am sitting here with Dr. Richard Urso. Uh, Dr. Erso has 25 years in practice. He was the chief of ophthalmology at MDA Hospital. He has written over 40 journal articles and given over 300 presentations at medical meetings. Um, On top of that, this is a guy who is a father of six, okay, Uh, has created his own fitness supplement, MitoAid, which we'll get into later. He is a former college football player who graduated from UConn as well. There is a lot to talk about here. Um, so let's just get into this right now. First of all, uh, Richard, thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate you being here.
1: Yeah, I'm gra- glad to be here, Greg. It's a real great opportunity for me. I appreciate the uh, the introduction.
0: So, so what intrigued me at first and, and I came across also on on Instagram, MitoAid, your product um, in there, and I looked into it, and in looking behind it, realized that you were the the creator, developer of this product, and that we had known each other indirectly through the fitness world, uh, and wanted to reach out and say, okay, here's an interesting story of a physician who has got a passion for health and wellness, and has gone on to develop his own supplements. But to backtrack that a little bit, Bring me up to speed a little bit kind of on, on your background, kind of where, where you come from, um, how you got into medicine. Give me a little bit into that stuff.
1: Well, it's it, it's, great. it's a great uh, story, actually, in some ways, because when I was a kid, I, I was really had the ideas that any kid would have about sports. And I always thought somehow I'd be able to make it in sports somehow. But, you know, I was really a, a much better student than I was an athlete, even though I was able to play, um, you know, high school, college football and uh, <clears throat> be pretty successful. But at the time, when I was very young, I knew that I really wanted to get involved in health in a big way, and at the time I remember, even as a young kid, looking at the cholesterol story and thinking, gosh, they really have this thing wrong. They keep, they keep, they keep vilifying cholesterol, and it's a natural product, it's, a, um, uh, it's made in the body, and it's, it's in our food sources, how can it be that bad? At the time, I, I, I was really really determined someday to get into cardiovascular health and, and to help you know help to solve the problem with heart attacks and strokes and I was and I really never lost that vision and as I got through um, sports and I got into my college years and I realized uh, I remember meeting Howie Long, it was one of my roommates my first year in college and I said okay well this is what a real hotshot's about because I was a pretty pretty much a good high school hotshot. When I met Howie, I was like, wow, this is the real deal. And he was a humble, he, uh, had a lot of humility, and he had no idea that he was so talented. And I, was, I remember just sort of chuckling to myself that I walked around and, 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 and had more swag than he did, but he, he was much more talented than me. And at that point, I kind of realized that my, probably my, my days would be numbered. I thought at the time, well, I'm going to make myself as fast, as strong, as flexible as I can be and see what happens. But I'm never going to be like him no matter how hard I try.
0: So, were you always an athlete? Um, were your parents athletes? Did you, you naturally gravitate towards towards sports?
1: Yeah, I had a, I had a um, my dad, and uh, he had three brothers, and they were all very, very athletic. So I just really wanted to be like them. And they were very successful, and they, they were uh, great golfers. They were really good in, 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 in everything they seemed to play. They, their averages in bowling were like 200, and... And they were great softball, baseball players, basketball players. And I, wanted to, I, wanted, I just wanted to be like them. And uh, I've never really got all their talent. Um, and so, I, but I did my best to try to live up to the name.
0: And how about on, on the education side and the interest in, in science and in medicine? Uh, where did that come from?
1: You know, it, it seemed to be there from the, from the time that I was definitely uh, even a teenager. I remember... I remember going in about 12 years old and riding on my bike to the health food store. And um, I was so interested in health and, and, and wellness at the time um, and, and getting hit on my bike and all my vitamins going all, all over the place. I had a compression fractures in my back and from the accident. But I mean, at that at that young age, I know that I was very involved in in I was always a very good student. Um, I love school. In fact, I, I sometimes laugh when I, I see my kids saying they don't like school. I like school from when I was like five years old. I always liked school. You know, I went through school. I loved college. Medical school was fun. I always tell people was the most fun time I ever had was in medical school. And they go, how is that possible? I go, it was like being in a fraternity with a whole bunch of people who like to do what you like to do. And so the interest was always there. And I think I, had a, um, I was lucky. I, I was around a lot of people who had belief. And I think my whole life I always had people around me who told me that I could do things. And, and so I actually believed that I could be a doctor. I could be a doctor and I could be a great athlete and I could be pretty much anything I thought. And, and I think in some ways that, that made it easy for me to go forward and, 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 and do well in school, do well in sports because I always had belief that I could.
0: How do you pick your specialty? I always wonder how, how guys coming through medical school determine what type of doctor they, they want to
1: be? I mean, there are some guys that just seem to know. And I went in, like I said, I wanted to fix everything. If you told me when I was 18 years old that I was going to be um, an orbit oculoplastic specialist of the eye, I would say, you're crazy. That's like, that's like one little percent of the body. Uh, uh, of the body. It's, it's not even the vision itself. I would have thought it was crazy, but I think as you get into it, what happens is first of all, you decide who's you want to be a surgeon or not. And I said, at the end of the day, if you're usually most people that are athletes are going to want to be surgeons. There's just something about working with your hands and fixing things that's just very, very rewarding. On top of that, there's some specialties that have um, chronic care. and I always love to talk and 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 I always love to 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 help people. To, to become bet, better themselves, to lift themselves up. I always wanted to be a, a source of, of light for people in a sense. I always wanted to be able to help them. And so as I went through medical school, I started realizing that if I only became a surgeon, I would see the patient one time, do the surgery and be gone. And it was a little disappointing, so I, I, was, I started becoming torn. And I think those are the things that people kind of go through. Do I want to be involved with my patients on a daily basis on a yearly basis, on a weekly, monthly, you know, c- chronic care basis, or do I want to have one and done? And so I think that's kind of the, the things that I, when I, when I trained people um, for about 16 years, I did a lot of training of residents, fellows, and students. I tell them, you know, try to think of it that way. Do you, do you want that chronic care? Do you want to be able to develop that relationship. It's a lot of fun. These people become like your family. Um, there some of them. My patients have been with me almost my entire practice. And I've had more conversations with them than a lot of my cousins and things. So they're, I'm very close to a lot of my patients. And that's a wonderful thing. And then I tell them, but it's so fun to go in and fix something. It's so, it's so rewarding to have people trust you enough to come out and actually trust you to come with them with a knife and, and fix something in their body. It's amazing, I think. And I think that's another thing that I, I as a teaching point, I said, you have to honor that
0: so this this gets into another area which is fascinating to me also is how people make decisions Mm -hmm. um options and things that you're considering um which way do we go here do i go the surgical route do i go you know down this other path like with with anything um what's what's your decision making process you know how do you analyze how do you determine kind of what what it is that you want
1: to do? You know, I, 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 that's a great question. I've noticed that in myself, I have a tendency to kind of overanalyze things. And I, and I, I literally stew over little things. I think in my field, it helps me. Um, It can be, it can be really tough sometimes to make, to make decisions. And my wife always says, gosh, I'm going to buy a a dishwasher. Don't come with me because you're going to, you're going to turn it into a, you know, a science experiment or something. I just we just need a dishwasher, and so, um, so in some sense, decision making. I think I, I've probably seen that I've worked with so many different engineers over the years, developing products and stuff. That um, my own personal decision making process is very methodical, um, and I think that's probably why I always like sports so much. You didn't really have to think that hard. You just had to go and do. It's like okay, stop thinking. Because if you think too much, nothing good's going to happen. So I think it's a dynamic where you, you've you got to have that methodical approach, but you've also got to have sort of that surgical approach. Like, look, you know, there, it's enough time thinking. We have to make a decision. Are we going to cut this out or not cut it out? And so it's it's I've struggled with it, and I've been always more on the side of being um, overanalyzing, which I think is... Um, as I said, helped me sometimes, but also made it... Um, I've also struggled sometimes because of that decision-making process. And I see it in other people.
0: You also, though, on top of, of, of being a doctor, and and I guess I, I'll, I'll probably screw this up a little bit, but a lot, of, a lot of doctors and physicians are not exactly entrepreneurial also, or even yes. from a from business, business-minded per se. And I don't want to kind of just stereotype or generalize it that way. But it sounds also as if you know, you're the opposite. You know, on top of practicing, um, there's a business approach and there's an entrepreneurial approach to seeing an opportunity and let me develop a product for that or let me study that. And, and, and I want to touch on that a little bit too. I
1: think that, I think that comes down to creativity. You know, I think when you have something that's sort of a career-ish thing that you're approaching that almost seems to me like I had a friend that younger when he wanted to be an accountant and I said I felt like he was sentencing sentencing him sentencing himself to prison and and at the time because I just couldn't see any creativeness there um and I think in general the entrepreneurship is I don't feel very entrepreneurial in terms of being able to learn how to distribute and market sometimes I feel like that's a I struggle with that a little bit but the creative side of things is always so, so much... It, it's I can't stop thinking about, you know, a new and better mousetrap. And that happens um, to, I think, a lot of people that are in medicine that are doctors. You can always build something better, or you can always find a better treatment. And so that creativeness is, is, is what creates, I think, the entrepreneurial spirit. But I grew up in a, in a, in a, in a family that... Um, you know, you're always t- taught to think for yourself, um, believe in yourself, um, don't follow the party line, and I think that probably creates a little entrepreneurial spirit, and I think that was part of, a part of who I was as a young person, and, you know, we always had jobs. I, I started my own um, moving business when I was like 16. My brother was in law school, and I called it Law School Movers, and of course they saw some 16-year-old kids showing up in a truck. And I'm sure they were like, not too impressed, but somehow or another, I was able to talk my way in and, 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 uh, and they, they let me move their furniture. And, I'm, and I grew up in Greenwich, Connecticut and Greenwich is like growing up in River Oaks uh, here in Houston. Um, so, you know, it takes, you have to have pretty good game to make that happen. Um, but people let me move their chandeliers and other things and I did pretty well until I went to medical school. So I think there was a little bit of that entrepreneurial spirit, but I think the creativeness is what makes you seek it out. You, you know, when you have an idea, you just and, and you have passion for an idea, you will find a way to, to, to try to get it done. And, and the only way you can get it done is 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 through entrepreneurialship.
0: You know, and I think that the um, you know the creativity. You can bring creativity to anything. You know, the, the story so that you were so talking to about about your, your friend and going into accounting and then even in with some of your own experiences there, you know, I identify that with that a lot because in the business that I chose to get into, kind of in insurance and risk management, going yeah. back what's what's close to, to ten years at this point for me. I remember making that decision after selling my, my previous company, which was much quote unquote sexier, more creative. It was media and it was marketing, it was DVDs. And people were saying to me, like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, what are you what are you doing going can you really go from being a risk taker to being a risk manager, if you will? Can you go into an office but Like, where is this coming from? And and I struggled with that for a while, but but my a little bit, but but my approach to it was always you can make anything creative. And this is super, super entrepreneurial. And I can work with creative people and I can work with passionate people and other entrepreneurs, and I've been on the other side of the table. So even in the approach of us even sitting down and talking and doing this type of podcast, and we did some some TV previously, and how you market and get out there was, let's just bring a fresh approach to how we're gonna go and attack this kind of a business. And go after it, because there's always a different. There's always a, a different way to look at, at something, a better way to necessarily do something, and my way may not be my partner's way, but it, you can be extremely good at what you do, but bring a creative angle to it and, and attract a different type of individual from a business standpoint. I just identified with that with that story because yeah, you would think okay, accounting, if you will, you know, or, okay, it, it's it's not exactly the most you know you wouldn't think of it as the most creative. Think about going. There are guys who are unbelievably successful accountants, but they only work with musicians, you know, and yes. bands. And there are guys in my business that only work, you know, with with real estate. I happen to like, look, if you can eat it, drink it, or work out with it, you know, my passion area is let's <laughs> let's write that stuff. You know, yeah. that's a lot of fun, and that gets creative. You still do nuts and bolts work, but you you can make it more creative.
1: I agree. I agree. That's that's something... I, it took me a long time to figure that out. That's why I sort of said that tongue-in-cheek about the accounting thing, because I realized as I've gotten older that that's not true. So my first experience in a lab, because I felt like I always wanted to do new things, and I, I worked in a biochemistry lab right before I went to medical school, and I was bored to tears. We were doing a project, and I already evaluated in my own mind that this isn't going to work, that the project that she was trying to develop... Um, vitamin A derivatives that would de-differentiate and create, um, de- create de-differentiation in cancer cells. So in other words, a cancer cell um, is a non-specialized cell. Most cells, are, most cells are specialized cells. Cancer cells de-differentiate, and she was going to try to reverse that process with these vitamin A derivatives. And I remember thinking about it, and I read through the, uh, the biochemistry. I said, this is no chance of working this is the most boring thing I've ever done. I was bored to tears, and I remember thinking to myself, "I'm never going to be in a lab like this." But at the end of the day, when the product's driven by your own ideas and your own passion, and it's something you're doing every day, as in, whether it's an accountant or it's an insurance, or whether you're an ophthalmologist sitting there, with some people might think of me as you know checking glasses all day. Uh, it's not true, but I do you know a lot of surgery stuff. But 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 there's always something better, and so. At the end of the day, um, I think you can be creative in any field, and, and I think that's a definite takeaway. And I tell that to trainees as I go through. Like, Don't let your first impressions think that you're. as you become closer and you become more involved in your field, you'll find something. Every single person will find something that they can improve that field. I guarantee you every single person, anybody listening to the call, whatever it is you're doing, you can probably improve it.
0: Completely, completely agree on that. Um, so we'll shift it, shift it a little bit here. And I want to talk a little bit about, about family and, and, and getting to a little bit of, of work-life balance. Um, cause this, again, th- this is something I hear about all, all the time. It seems to come up with pretty much every guy that I either start the morning off with, you know, <laughs> or the end of the day is, is that balance between what you're doing professionally, um, and, and kind of, and the home life. And you have six children, okay.
1: so sure. yeah.
0: Talk to me about. I mean, I was ask asking. How do you do it? Okay, uh, I, I have yeah. two, <laughs> and I can't figure out like when no. we're not. We're in divide and conquer mode all the time. Yeah. I'm about to be 45. I mean, you're in your you're in your 50s right now. But how do you balance it? You got six kids. You got a career. You've got your own health and, and wellness. Uh-huh. And how has it changed even over, over the years?
1: Yeah, it's evolved a lot, actually. It's supposed funny, I'm laughing because you said you had two. And I always said two one is one is two is definitely more than one, and three is a little bit more than two. But after that, they start interacting with each other and for the most part, they start taking care of each other. So I have my my 17-year-old went and picked up my five and eleven-year-old at school the other day. So there, there is a point where there's kind of a um, a fabric to the family that sort of takes over, and you don't have all this oversight. So all the lessons you pass down to your younger kids, you hope are sort of going on through to the young, to the next set of younger kids that you have. In Our family, it's like they're 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 all the way run from 26, 23, uh, 21, 17. 11 and five, well, the first four were really, really close. And the other two were weren't expected, but of course they came. And, and I think that um, I've had times where I felt like I didn't spend enough time. But at the end of the day, my family was always a big draw to me. I loved going home. I cook, literally, I cook almost every night for the family, even now. And I've always liked doing that. And I'll cook ahead of time, I'll crock pot, I'll do stuff like that. So I always try to get involved. And the biggest, the biggest thing I'll say is it's almost impossible to say that there's one right way to do it. I, I, I just can't even imagine. I laugh sometimes when I see the younger parents stressing over things um, like their kids aren't getting enough math or they're, you know, they're four years old. And they're not getting enough math. I just start laughing because <laughs> they're going to be fine. You know? and, and at the end of the day, I think I did the same thing. But as you get older, you get a more experience. It's just like being a grandparent. I think at some point you get all this experience, and you and you use that to become um, to to make your mark on the family as as the as the paternal figure in the family. You know, to create create an environment where hopefully you're going to be doing a lot of good. Of course, my older kids tell me I didn't do a very good job, but you know that's a whole another story. <laughs> so so I I tortured them. I think I, I stayed in their their lives too much. I think.
0: So, so, to ask you, also, Then, what what's a typical day like now? Okay. Yeah. For you.
1: I mean, there's there's a lot of routine for me. I'm a very routine driven person. I always have been. Um, I remember when I was in um, high school, I was thinking about going into. I, I, I applied to the Naval Academy. I had the there was a lot to do with, to do with getting in there. And I went for an interview and stuff. And I remember thinking, gosh, these guys are up at 5.30 in the morning, every morning. And people are yelling at them. And I remember thinking, gosh, I don't want to go through all that. Well, I was already like that. I was already getting up as a young person. I was an early riser. I don't know why. I just happened to be. And uh, probably not as early as 5.30. But it was, you know, 6.30. I was always up. I always loved school. And I came routine driven, and so I always was in, I've always been able to establish routines over and over and over again. Uh, food routines, and I just I probably have a little OCD. So I'm going to say the, the, right now it's not a whole lot different. I get up, you know early. Um, I try to get as much done early as I can. I find that um, there's quiet time there. Um, most people aren't up. My kids aren't. Um, my wife's not. And I can get a lot of work done at that time in the morning that I wouldn't otherwise get done. And then it's off to surgery. Sometimes we start as early as six. Um, I have that two, two days a week, sometimes three. Uh, sometimes we start as late as seven. And then and that's, and that pretty much the day doesn't end until about roughly six o'clock or so, usually working mostly through lunch. I don't usually eat more than once during the day. Um, and then I have a, um, then I go home and cook and, uh, and kind of go try to hang out with the kids, and then I'll try to get a quick workout in, you know, about 8.30 or something. Um, so I can't, a lot of times I can't work out in the morning because it, it affects my surgical skills. So I really can't um, go and do a hard workout and then go to, the, go, to, go to operate. My hands will shake. So I have to be, and they don't shake a lot, but just enough that it actually bothers you operating. A, a lot of surgeons a lot of times won't work out in the morning for that reason.
0: Mm, that's interesting. I, I, can, I get that now as soon as you say that okay now that, that, that you makes a lot that? of sense mm-hmm. in terms of the well,
1: the lawyers will be here in the morning the doctors <laughs> will be here a little later
0: <laughs> Got, gotcha i'm gonna ask you though i don't understand how you don't eat throughout the, the course of the day with the amount that you with the amount that you train the energy level you still have i mean i feel constantly like like i am always eating and and nutrition and kind of when i eat has become just such a bigger part of of my overall lifestyle that yes. I need to train differently now. It's ch- that's actually
1: changed, and I'll let you finish, but I, that's actually changed a little bit over the years. Yeah,
0: I find that I need to train differently now from yeah. because my workouts have to be shorter, uh, my recovery times have to be longer, my nutrition has to be a little bit more on point, mm-hmm. and, and I have to eat more frequently if I want to maintain the, the energy levels that, that I need throughout the day with a day that typically starts somewhere in the neighborhood of... of called in the fives, Yeah, I Like, it's really hard for me to start in the fours. You yep. know, once or twice a week, maybe, you know, I, I can do that to get up for a 5 a.m. to meet some guys. But typically, you know, up in the mives and, and maybe a workout in the sixes. But for me not to crash, I got to eat multiple times throughout the day. And I'm not performing <laughs> surgery on anybody.
1: And that's a good point. And, I, and I'll say this. When I go through a weekend, I definitely eat more frequently. But I'm not really doing any cardio. I'm not really generating a lot of energy. It's a lot of mental stress. And I find that um, what's happened to me over time is I think I got a little bit of insulin resistance over time. I don't know. But I just found that if I ate, if I ate carbs, I got, I got tired as the day went on. So I started avoiding them. And then, you know, we started thinking more about the diet. And I transitioned my diet to from it was kind of more of a Mediterranean-based diet, I'd say, with some meat um, maybe once a week a little bit of chicken i was always i was always kind of a um a fairly well-rounded eater um little bit of a little bit of dairy a little bit of this and that but it was probably a sort of mediterranean is how i would say but I, I found over time that i started getting sluggish from that diet i found myself eating less and eventually as we kind of come full circle with uh with everything you know we had the the Atkins diet now we've uh, gone off in the last 10 12 years in this paleo keto um um, phase, um, which isn't too different from Mackin's, by the way. Um, I found that that works better for me. And if I do it, I really can't eat that often. I'm just not hungry. I find myself like when I do this diet, um, I'll sometimes eat like a pound of, or a pound and a half, or sometimes two pounds of steak at night. And I'm just not hungry until the next day, like late in the day. I'm not, I'm, I'm not hungry for breakfast. I may or may not have a cup of coffee. I probably have a cup maybe every other day or so. Um, and I'm just I'm just not hungry. And if I do eat, I know that actually might slow me down. So I think that's been the reason. It's more or less like you feel it picks you up. So if I felt it pick me up, I would definitely still do it. And I think if I was, as, as I get into, as I told you earlier, we were talking about I'm going to do the marathon in Austin this year. And I don't usually do a lot of running training. As I pick my mileage up, I have to eat more.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what actually? So you mentioned now the marathon um, that, that you're going to do coming up. What motivates you? What drives you? Yeah. And how has that changed over the <laughs> over the years? Also, was it you know was it financial for a period, and was it athletic for a period, or is it you uh. know, is it happiness now? You know all those those yeah. things that that again we we wrestle with. Like, okay, I could spend more time in the office. I know I could, okay? Yeah. And yes, that would generate X, okay? But that would stop me from coaching. And we talked yeah. about to, that, to, you know, and I want to be there for the kids and, and coach. Again, you have six of them and you've coached seven. You'll talk about this too. You've done 17 teams, you know, in, in a season. Yeah. Um, and I look around and I sort observe, of like, okay, here's the guy you know, in the suit, okay? And he's never coached. And for whatever reason, he seems so much older to me than I am. Okay, but he's actually sometimes that he's younger. Okay, but as a coach always on the phone? Maybe you're missing something. But yeah, the house is bigger. Like all those trade-offs yeah. and those motivations. There's a trade-off. And, and one of the reasons I enjoy doing this so much and talking to so many different people is I love to hear from from you guys about kind of what what drives you know and like what's the what's the balance of of all
1: of this. I, I hear so much wisdom in what you're saying, you don't even realize it, that you've actually pegged it a lot. Because really you even said like, you know, you're giving up a little bit bigger house, a little bit nicer car. A lot of the things I, I if I don't have inspiration I, for whatever reason, I just don't function well without inspiration. And, 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 and monotony in a sense to me is, 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 is that same job, spending more time in the office, trying to make a little extra bank, it just it just it it it, it's almost it almost feels suffocated even even talking about it I almost feel like I can't get the words out without without almost you know feeling like I like I might if I if I had to put myself in that place I something bad might happen to me and I think in general I think inspiration is really a lot of what drives my 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 what I do and so just knowing like I really, really want to be a good father to these kids. I really want them to know that I was involved in their life. I want them to feel my presence, in a sense. And like, like I said, my kids sometimes call me Mister Help. Like, Dad, Dad, that's enough. You're okay, all right? go away. And um, and so I've always been inspired, in a sense, to do that. And and then my job, I think, is the same thing. I was lucky to be able to do something that I really, really wanted to do when I got into medicine. I was so happy when I got that acceptance letter to medical school. Even to this day, I'm. So, I was so happy. It's like you know, the birth of your children was a big day, um, wedding days and things. That, but the, getting into medical school was a big, big deal to me. So over and over, I think inspiration in me is, and I have to re reinvent myself in, in a, on an emotional level over and over again. That just happens to be who I am. In fact, I would even tell people sometimes like I want to be an ice man. I want to be that guy who just just, you know, just, you know, just grinds and grinds and grinds. And I'm like, man, I want to be like that. I remember sitting there with some of my friends in medical school and I would say, I'm going to study, I'm not going to move from this chair until that guy moves. And I had have a contest. And after about 50 minutes, I was like, God damn, I got to get up. And <laughs> I can't stay here anymore. And so I constantly was always competing. And that's another thing I think, don't ask me why. I mean, sometimes people would say, to I me mean, in medical school, why do you want to, why do you want to be at the top of the class? And I go, well, I don't really want to be, but why are they keeping score? And I'd say, I wish they would stop keeping If they stopped me keeping score, I'd stop caring. But they must be keeping score for a reason, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep score. So I think in some sense, I, I do keep score in my own mind, in a sense, like the bigger house, the bigger thing. I But I don't, that's not the score. That's not, that doesn't score it for me. It, does that make sense a little bit? Like yeah. I, I, am, I am competing. And I'm trying to I'm trying to be the best dad I can be and be an influence in the world in a good way, but and, it makes perfect sense yeah. and,
0: I, and and I it's 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 awesome and, and ironically you know you you threw out the word inspired you know and and inspiration and. Love you. It's okay. You know, I, I tattooed the word "inspired" on my arm. You know, that's and crazy. Um, ironically, and I named a company after it. You know, and so. Okay. And I did um, not know
1: that. That's yeah, amazing. And,
0: and so it's it's awesome to kind of hear you say it, and it connects so deeply because I agree. I think that's that's what it's all about. You know, um, and I look always for for people that are inspiring to me. Yeah. Um, for things that inspire me, and. And it doesn't matter where, you know, it could be here where, where we're sitting and we have clients that come in and they're just super, super people and you get to know them over time and and they're inspiring. And I don't have any idea of what they do. Like, on like,
1: same with me, my patients.
0: and, 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 but, and I don't know if I even want to know sometimes, you know what I know? I know that they smile. I know that they work hard. I know that they're getting better every day and they're inspiring, you know, and then put the other facet on, you know, and you get, go to the office thing. What kind of clients do i want to work with you know because yeah i want to be inspired by those people then you want to protect them i think about by nature i'm more of a protector like why do i do what i do because i think it's it's really cool and, and great to be associated with super creative super inspiring you know passionate people who are building things and you can be close to them and you can help them take care of what their vision is and their business and protect on like that, why would you want to do that for somebody that you're not you know, in- inspired by? You Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. Make it more commodity based. It seems, it seems empty that way. You know, we watch Jerry yeah. Maguire like all the time. Like I watch her with my voice. And that scene at the end where, where, um, He's hugging Jerry and the relations and The other football player looks at his and He's like, "Why don't we have that kind of relationship?" You know? <laughs> yeah, and he tries to, and he tries to do it, and it's so empty and it's so phony and so transactional. You go, "Okay, well, there it is," you know, right there.
1: It's so true. I mean, I, today I was, I was really kind of tired, but I, I I had probably seven or eight hugs from patients around holidays, and it really just picked me up. And 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 so the inspiration. I will take inspiration from other people too. Sometimes I will use that to lift myself, just like you just said. And I, I have to constantly renew that, and and it's not something that's easy to do. And uh, sometimes I, I kid around my wife. I go, you know, I grew up about 300 yards from the beach, and I always felt like, you know, if things really hit the fan. I got my fishing pole and a tent, and I'll just go lay on the beach and I'll just relax. She goes, you're never going to do that. I go, but I like thinking that I might. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I'm telling you, it's like you're sitting in our kitchen, okay? Because it's the same thing, and we joke about it all the kind time. Of go, I really don't need that much. I really don't. Like, we can do this. We can do that. You know, like in there, and it and okay, I go. Who the fuck are you kidding? Okay, exactly. Sit still for like five minutes, and you'll be on to this thing or, or that thing. But I think I quite.
1: Like, like, I'm laughing do you because I that, just... you know,
0: like. I think you can be both. Yeah. You know, I think, I think people can be a lot of things. I don't think people allow themselves to be a lot of things or they don't think. I it's think so. it's belief. But right. I don't yeah. think they think that they can be yeah. a lot of things. And okay. Well, well, you know, you you're working in, in insurance business, but you also own a gym and you want to stay athletic and, and, What's this with the band? You play playing a band every once in a while. This is not about me. And, That's what's so cool. this, and what are you doing with this? And, and we're not any good. And we really don't play very often because yeah. it's so hard, <laughs> but it's like, hey, you know, and, and you do the podcast. How do you find, you know, the time You go, you know, you make the time yeah. and there's a trade off for what's important and, yes. and what you want to do. Like, Agreed. you know, you mentioned, hey, I like to talk. And I, okay, well, it's not a job for me to sit down. Okay. Put something open. And go talk to somebody yeah. who is going to give me their time and I'm going to take so much more away from it in a way that I can possibly give. I do
1: that every day with my patients. Sometimes my staff comes in and kind of kicks me and go, okay, come on. And I go, but I'm, I'm enjoying the interaction so much and I'm getting more out of it than the patient. And
0: I do, it's a similar thing with my clients. You know, I go out there and I see and approach clients and a lot of them have even done this with me too and they go, why do you do this? And I go... You know, I learned more about you in 45 minutes of talking to you probably than people who have done business with you for five or 10 years. Definitely. Okay, like we really got into it, mm. okay, right now. And what do I want to do when I finish with this? I go, Let me text. You should know that, like, because I'm going out that door like guns blazing, like mm. really wanting to represent you because I really like you now. <laughs> yeah. and, but the opposite can sometimes be true too. Absolutely can. People can disappoint you also. Yep. Okay, but if, if the opposite happened, that that's cool too, but... You know, life's too short, like yeah, I'm not going guns a-blazing for the unappreciative, if you will, you know? Yes. Or, so there's, there's a balance in that too, and I think you learn that over, over time.
1: Yes, you know? I, I think you do. And you know, it's interesting you said that, because you learn a lot about a person in an interview like this, and, stuff. and I always, we always interviewed you know, medical students and residents, and I knew some of the kids, and they were very interesting people. And sometimes I was surprised at how bland they came off in, in, in this environment. Um, in an interview environment. So, for anybody listening, if you think you come off that way in an interview environment, it may just be that belief issue. Like I, most of the ones that did that were, didn't have strong belief in their confidence in themselves, and that's a big thing that I think that that a lot of people um, struggle with. I mean, it's just, am, am I am I all that? Well, you're you're not all that, but neither is anyone else. Yeah,
0: and, I, and that's <laughs> what I love about about interviews, and I love good good interviewers and you know, awesome yeah. that I want to know. I want to know what time you wake up. Okay. I want to know what you read. Like what's on your bedside right now? What do you read?
1: Yeah. So now, unfortunately my reading is all like right now it's so focused on biochemistry. Like I've, I, I, of course I've learned biochemistry in medical school, but I've been developing products. And right now I've got a tear product that I'm working on and it's a teardrop. And I've been working with some, some guys in, um, They actually do generic drops for CVS and Walgreens. They're in Minnesota. They're delightful people. I mean, I love talking to them, and we're trying to find the right formula and the viscosity to get through, to get through this. It has to be considered sterile. It has to get through a 0.2 micron filter, and so everything I'm coming up with is a little too viscous, and so we're trying to we're trying to work on that. So for the past, you know, the past like three months, I've been spending a tremendous amount of time reading up on different products that I might use that have some biochemical needs and right before that I was developing the product you know the MitoAid product it took me about a year and a half to figure that one out and and there's a whole story behind that but the bottom line is all biochemical so I've been reading that but I love reading biographies because biographies um, um, inspire me I just happen to like tennis so I just read um, the biography for um, Nadal and um, he's a very humble person, and, and and there's a lot of inspiration in there. And there's a person who's been tremendously successful with a very humble um, psyche for the most part. Like if he wasn't successful, he still he's, he if you read his words carefully, if he wasn't you know the number one tennis player in the world, he would still have felt proud of himself for all of the efforts that he put in. And I think at the end of the day. Um, that inspired me in a way. It's like because I've had so many times where I haven't been successful to the level that I wanted to be successful. I've had plenty of success, and I and I can I can be proud of a lot of success. But many times my success was I, I hit a ceiling, and and that's that's a tough thing because being successful, you're still going to hit plenty of ceilings, and plenty of walls, and you're still going to have to find your way through, and still be proud of your effort. At the end of the day, I think sometimes. That's a lesson for our kids, right? My kids look and they say, Dad, you're, you, know, you're, you, know, you did this and, and the other thing. And I'm like, look, I'm not, I'm not nearly as talented as you. And yet they don't see that. And that's, that's something that I think a lot of people don't realize that a lot of the success is I'm just, I'm just damn persistent on top of all that. So it's, it's hard to get me to tell me that I'm not going to be successful. I'm going to try really hard. And at the end of the day, like I said, in sports, I was like, I'm going to be as strong and as fast and as flexible as I can, and I'm going to learn the game. I'm going to have a high IQ. And if I don't make it, well, you know what? I just wasn't good enough. I'm okay with that. I can live with that.
0: Well, it's it's another great point. And we we used to talk to, to our players going back a couple of seasons ago, and this happened to be 11-year-old boys district baseball all-star, you know, if you yes. will. And, and, and the key point, you know, was... It's not always about the best players. It's yeah. about the right players. Yes. And with the old Herb Brooks, you know, Miracle, and you know, bring him in and you show him. Oh, the I love movie. that. Oh, what an incredible, incredible movie and what an incredible guy. And point being that it's all the intangibles. It's the effort. It's the attitude. It's the chemistry. You know, of, of what you're able to to build. And and this just came up even the other day. a whole conversation about participation trophies versus what you know in the air of entitlement are we just giving things away just for basically showing up or are we instilling values in in work ethic okay and attitude and earning something and and learning also how to lose or how to fail as much as learning how to actually win and and succeed because which way does the world in real life actually function you know and and work, you know, over here, um, and I, I use sports as the, as as an analogy for a lot of this all the time. I because, do too, because it's such a great equalizer for it. But we have minimum play rules in certain sports where you literally have people who can they can miss every practice, okay? They <laughs> can have. This poor attitude, if you will, not try anything at all, and come game time, the rules say you have to play them fifty percent of the time. Well, that's <laughs> and and how are we actually how are we actually instilling any kind of life lessons whatsoever? Well, that's, through, that's actually some really of well said. Time.
1: That's really well said because I think you just hit on the key things. When when those things are missing, when the attitude, the effort, the lack of showing up, those are things that should be, in a sense, penalized. I think. Um, so the lack of ability, I think I, I've always, I've never, I've never wanted, I've coached a lot of kids, the lack of ability should be the last reason why they shouldn't play. I mean, they should.
0: Completely, completely agree.
1: So, so, but the other things, those are, those are things that no one, no one, and I would tell kids, I go, look, my mom, my, my mom drove me 10 minutes late. I said, well, I'm going to tell you, you're 12 years old. Once you go back and tell your mom to drive you here on time. All right. And I said, and I said, But. You're not in trouble. You're a great player, and you're going to play, but you're going to have a small penalty for showing up late. I said, so, but I just it's, it's, it's just for you, I said, because at the end of the day, I think you're awesome, and you're going to play, and you're going to play, and you know your mom's going to drive you late. So usually I would use that, and then sometimes that wouldn't work, and I'd be like, well, I can't beat the kid up. The mom's kind of, you know, or the dad or whatever is, problematic so i i'd use that once or twice and realize okay that's not going to work so you know i'd come up with a different strategy because each individual kid that that i ever coached i i actually felt like i got into their head a little bit i tried to i tried to always i i I coached with the tournament team over in westview a couple times and i literally had some dad saying don't let that player play let that play they're terrible and i go listen that kid has so much so much so much love for the game I can't do it I go I can't do it I've got to play that kid I've got to I go I can't now if the kid had a terrible attitude I'd want to not play him but then I still would find a place for him and I'd try to pull him aside
0: and the kids and, know the other thing is the kids know a lot more than the parents do
1: yeah. that's the other thing
0: the kids know way more than the parents do yeah. they already know who's the fastest they already mm-hmm. know who's the best they already know who's the, they already know who works the hardest like, and they genuinely end up really rooting for the kids you yes. know, who, yes. I mean that. that that work really hard, and they genuinely don't want the kid who's kind of the putts, you know, to be in there either. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> He's like, so when the it, kids always know. It's, it's always crazy. The,
1: they do know, and they don't feel I, bad.
0: I say to a lot the, of the parents, the parents. And stuff all the time. I go, listen. The kids know. They all know. They could make the lineup better than I could, okay? I think you're right. For any one of these games, and certainly as we're getting up to this tournament level here, and you know who screws it up? We screw it up. Mm -hmm. That's well said. Well said. We really do. And and it's not a a baseball—it's not a sports-specific thing. It's not a community thing. It—but it really— it really does touch back on everything else in terms of the, the the balance, okay, and the community, and the time, and the teaching moments, you know, that are there, and so we, many of we, them go, are become missed opportunities now.
1: Yeah, and it's 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 amazing to me because it's so many great opportunities, and and one of the greatest moments I've ever had in my life was was with a group of twelve uh, year old kids that we were in a tournament, and we we'd been. We'd gotten beat in a big tournament, Southwest Regional Terms, a year before, by this team. Uh, they came back on us in the last 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 inning and beat us. Like we were up three one, they beat us four three. And and we always stress, you know, the effort, the 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 got to be there, but effort always has to be there. And 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 we're going to fight every every pitch. We're going to fight every out. We're going to fight every every inning and every game. We're gonna we're always going to believe that we can come back. And so it's a funny situation because we, we we end up in this big tournament again, and by some bad luck, we end up losing real early. We were one of the favorites, but we came through the losers bracket, and we ended up paying like our arch nemesis at the end of the thing. There was like hundred team, hundred twenty teams in the tournament. We played like our arch nemesis. They beat us. It seemed like every time we had to win, and now we have to beat them twice. And somehow, you know, we ended up beating them the first game. The second game, they're up like four nothing on us. So the last 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 inning. We're down to our last strike, our last out. The kids never gave up. They were on the edge of their seats the entire time. We were one strike away from 4-0 down, one strike, nobody's on base. And the kids were still, like, inspired to keep playing. And an unbelievable miracle happened. We ended up winning the game 7-4. Seven, seven it was amazing. It was the most greatest comeback I've ever seen. We were two strikes down, like four batters in a row, and, um, um, and came back to win 7-4 and win, win the tournament. And I felt the best, I go, I tell the parents, I go, we will, you will never see that again in your life. I go, it's like, this is the, everyone needs to savor this. This is one of the greatest things ever. We need to just soak it up. And I feel the same way sometimes when I, when I, I love the sports stuff for that because you, you, you lose with dignity. You, you, you got beat, but it was, it was, it was a wonderful, painful beating that you took. Because you, every effort, every ounce of yourself was out there. You put it all out there, and that's that's the beauty.
0: No doubt, we could do two hours on yeah. on, on youth sports easily. Okay? <laughs> sorry, um, but I would, and, and, and it's sorry. all on me. It's all on me because I, because I can do it. Okay, so. no no doubt we can do that. I want to circle it back around. Tell me a little bit about about Mito Aid, okay, and how you came up. With, with this product? What was the impetus behind it? And, and take me from a little bit, from idea to, to execution.
1: I really wasn't thinking about MitoAid at the time. I was thinking about um, brain tumors. And um, at the time, I read an article um, and uh, I was looking at uh, different products that might help um, have some, some effect on, on, on tumors in the brain. And at the time, one of the products was a cholesterol drug. And I read on the cholesterol drug and it talked about it has effect on beta-hydroxybutyrate, which now has become a big word. And at the time, I went back and I started thinking about it. And I said, let me see about the beta-hydroxybutyrate. So I started looking into it, and I realized that this is what happens um, with ketosis. And a lot of people are on this call probably know about that now. But beta-hydroxybutyrate is the main ketone. It has a huge effect on, on nerve tissue. And, and basically, uh, mitochondria are, are, are able to use it to create ATP. But cancer cells throw out their mitochondria so they don't do real well with it. They just, they can't feed off it because they, they, they usually throw their mitochondria out and all they do is glycolysis and glucose. So at the time I was like, wow, this could really be, this could be a pretty cool product. So if there are people on here who know about sports and stuff, um, if you know the Balco guys, there's a guy named um, Patrick Arnold who is the brains behind, he's a chemist. Patrick Arnold's a really smart guy um, very entrepreneurial, um, and he's the guy who had developed the products that became the major, that created all those um, home runs for Mark McGuire and uh, Sammy Sosa. And he developed undetectable products that that were you know three hour uh, steroid products that would go in and out of your system real quickly. Um, and I don't, the bad part for him is he didn't make a whole lot of money off any of this stuff. Um, and so at the time. I started looking around for, for the reason I brought them in is because I started looking around. Is there anybody who can make this? So I went to China, they're making it. And they sent me crazy thing. They sent me um, flour, they sent me um, baking soda, and they sent me a little bit of beta hydroxybutyrate. But to, to wind it all around is that what happened was this guy, Patrick Arnold, was actually creating it here in the United States. And so his first batch of it cost like forty thousand dollars, and I said, "Man, this stuff's expensive." So I got I got some of the product finally, um, and I tested it out, and I, and, and, I, and I I I put it in a little drink. It tasted horrible, um, and I and I I drank it down because um, you know I was young enough uh, at the time of Rocky movies where you drank raw eggs and things, so I could pretty <laughs> much drink anything down, and. Uh, and I, I felt amazingly a, a, a boost in energy at the moment, maybe five minutes after taking it. And I was like, wow, this has a powerful effect. And then all of a sudden, at the same time, I realized I, went through, I was going through my, my Amazon account, and I realized that there was a product already on the market. And this guy named Dominic D'Agostino, down at the University of somewhere in Florida, developed the product with Patrick Arnold and was actually probably about six months ahead of me on the whole thing. And he'd just come out with the product, like literally just come out with it. And I said, man, this this is a pretty cool thing. And so I started looking at the mitochondrial um, cascade of things, and basically you have an electron transport chain, um, and and that's a five-step that actually ends up shooting out ATP. And so not to get too technical, but everything's happening for energy and 98% in, in the mitochondria. Two percent in the cell cytoplasm where you do glycolysis like if you're running a sprint. So at the end of the day, I really focused on that as, as a product for wellness and health and thought that I was going to develop a product that would really make a difference in, 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 in cancer and things like that. But once I saw that they'd already kind of gone ahead and made a product, I decided to make a drink product of my own and I had my own ideas about how I could make it better. And, and so I went forward and developed the product uh, with a company in Dallas, and it's wonderful. I mean if you it's the most efficient uh, source of energy um, on the planet. so basically you're going to make twenty eight percent more ATP for every unit of oxygen you breathe you, you breathe in. So you're going to create more efficiency in, in your in your cell metabolism. and so you're going to basically be you know for the most part if you can if you can transition your diet over to products that that allow you to be in ketosis, and, and, and products like this that, that mimic ketosis, they're exogenous ketones. Um, but I also have a lot of other stuff in there. I have an anti-aging product, um, uh, the bean and the uh, 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 riboside, uh, um, the, basically the, the, the precursor to like NAD um, is also in there. And that's supposed to help with telomere shortening. I don't know how technical you want me to be, but I'll, I'll try to wrap it up and say, it has the anti-aging effects, it has energy uh, efficiency effects, and it's just a really cool product.
0: Is it, would I take it as a pre-workout? Would I take it as an everyday? It's a pretty or good
1: pre-workout. Pre- it's a pretty good pre-workout. It's not one, It's it's got a little caffeine in it. It's not a pre-workout um, um, that you would take, um, like if you want to take one, I forget the Jacked, is it Jacked? That's a big There's one. There's some of the, I mean... 400 I mean, milligrams for, of caffeine yeah
0: i mean for me you know what i am i'm, I'm what we just did before this i mean i'm a, a double shot of espresso and like, yeah yo, you know in there i've never been a a taker of a whole lot of, of anything other than kind of protein powder you know post workouts in there caffeine you know coffee before before workouts but again as things start to change you know and and a lot of times i i never really turned the corner on, on a bunch of stuff because of either a loading phase or the consistency aspect and said, yeah. okay, I'm just not that disappointed. I'm just yep. not that consistent. So I'm, I'm either dropping money. You probably something.
1: tried it and found it didn't impact that much. Really?
0: Yeah. And, and it either didn't impact it for one of two reasons. One, it, it flat out just didn't work the way, and I didn't feel any difference. So I said, yeah. what am I dropping 50, 60, 100 bucks a, a month for this Correct. thing? Or I'm not doing this right, meaning I'm not either loading a property or taking it at the right times or doing everything. So, And I think it's some of both depending upon, upon what the products products
1: are. So, so I think where this one really slots in for me, I think if people, if people slide in and out of ketosis, this thing is a killer product because basically... It's going to give you the extra ketones. It's going to give you some extra energy, some efficiency that you wouldn't otherwise get. I actually paired it up. I've got another one called Mitoid Max with some amino, you know, branch chain aminos and things like that. But for pre-workout, it's a really, really smooth pre-workout drink. It's really, really smooth in the sense that you can take it and you're not going to feel like you, you're, you know, your heart's racing. Um, but it's also the thing I like about it for me at 58 is. When I take it and I, I feel, and there's a bunch of methyl groups in there which help your neuro, your neuro status. So your, the methylation is a big part of what's going on. And I've got, a, I've got a tremendous load of methyl groups in there that no other ketone products have in it. And it basically creates a, a, a thinking, uh, uh, an awareness of the fact that you're thinking more clearly. And, you know, like methylcobalamin, B12 with methyl groups, your your brain requires a lot of methyl groups to function properly, and this has a lot of them in there. Um, it's something I've been I've been I've been keeping that in the on the back wraps in a sense, and haven't really advertised it that much that way. But it has a tremendous effect on on clear thinking, and it's because of all the methyl groups in there.
0: Where can you get it right now?
1: Uh, online. Okay. Yeah. So, MitoAid.com.
0: Cool. Okay. Um, you, we, we have touched on a number of subjects. <laughs> okay, which, which is exactly what this is all about. Um, so I, I, appreciate that because where we want to go and, and where, where I think to to everybody out there that's doing it, like, I think we, we covered on the. There is no one way, you know, to do to do anything. I loved hearing about the, the athletic background into the field of medicine into the product development. Again, we could talk sports and youth sports all all day. You know every day the introduction of new products is always fascinating to me taking something from from idea to, to execution is truly the entrepreneurial journey so i wanted to thank you for coming on giving me so much of your time uh, dr richard urso greg shonen podcast check it out we'll definitely love, love to have you back for uh for for round two <laughs> on this as well love it thank you
1: the Greg Scheinman Podcast was presented
0: by Inns Group Insurance. Inns Group is ensuring success. For more information, visit InnsGroup.net.